Tonight's Game of Thrones recap is sponsored by Plated.com. Plated is for people who take their food seriously. In Game of Thrones, you know, back in the day, you used to have all these deliveries coming in from the Reach with all of the food items to make these great tasting meals. Not anymore on Game of Thrones, but for you in the real world, you can be doing that all the time with Plated.com. Each week, they've got 15 chef design recipes to choose from. This week, I had some amazing Italian cheeseburgers with a corn and tomato tomato mozzarella salad and a steak Caesar salad as well from Plated. You could be eating dishes from all around the world inspired by cuisines from everywhere like Malaysian fish curry and lamb shushaka from Morocco. Not only does Plated do all the grocery shopping and send you the exact amounts of each ingredient, they're also sourcing quality ingredients. They've got artisanal mayo in its own glass jar. You'll love spending time with with your family when you learn to cook together with plated nights every week. If you've got a sweet tooth as well, they've got dessert options like no churn coffee ice cream and cinnamon rolls. So discover your ideal dinner experience. Go to plated.com slash post to get 50% off your first plated box. That's 50% off for a limited time only. Terms apply. See plated.com slash post for details. That's at plated.com slash post. Game of Thrones Season 7 Episode 5 is over, but we're just getting started here on Game of Thrones Live, the post-show recap. And now, here's you guys. We're all hopped up tonight on fermented crab. I'm Rob <laughs> Sister here with Stephen Fishback. Stephen, how are you? I'm great. I'm great. I actually really enjoyed this episode. It was a, a talkier episode. You know, we've had a lot of like big action sequences, which are always fun. Just had a lot of, uh, of fun character moments. Of course, the big Gendry, Jon Snow, you know, re- reuniting uh, that we've all been looking forward to. Uh, I've been waiting for this meeting to happen. Yes, reunited like, at last. Gendry well, and Jon Snow. I guess not reunited. I guess they finally, like, this meeting that we've all been predicting for so many seasons uh, finally happened. And wow, sparks flew. Yeah, just like a blacksmith hitting an anvil <laughs> with a hammer. Sparks flying everywhere. Dragon yeah. flame burning up Sam's dad and brother. So much huh. to talk about here tonight as we get through. Uh, two weeks from tonight, Stephen, we will be at the finale of Season 7 of Game of Thrones. And then a long wow. Game of Thrones off season, But a lot to chew on tonight. Yeah, yeah. And also the giant reveal that Jon Snow is probably legitimate, right? The pro, I mean, like, kind of Gilly discovers this like clue that sounds like Jon Snow is probably the legitimate son, which, we, you know, a lot of people are speculating about. Is Jon Snow still a Targaryen bastard or is he a legitimate sure. Targaryen? Sure. Gilly like brushed big, over big it tonight. We will not. We will uh, no. get to it all in great detail as we hmm. take your questions the here best tonight. Detail. Yes. Only the best detail. On our Game of Thrones post show recap of course uh, we'll get into it further with josh wiggler on our deep dive and then on our feedback show later on in the week make sure you don't miss any of that when you subscribe to the podcast go to postshowrecaps.com slash got itunes all right steven so i guess uh, let's just start with sort of like this big picture caper which is now put into the works i, I tweeted earlier tonight i'm starting to feel like this is almost like a oceans 11 of that we have this big 
major caper of we're going to go have Tyrion sneak into King's Landing to go to talk to Jamie to talk to Cersei to tell her that they're going to go sneak into Eastwatch and then they're going to steal a White Walker and then they're going to bring them <laughs> back and then they're going to use that to convince them to go to not go to the war right now this is what we really have I thought that all of our clever plans were out the window last week Yes, yeah, Snow- Snowshin's eleven. Snowshin's um, eleven, right? Uh, yeah, I, I I agree. You know, it, it did seem like last week Danny's whole thing was we've got to, you know, let's fire and blood. You know, certainly in that first scene, you have Tyrion trying to sweet talk her into being uh, more gentle with the Tarleys. She's not having it, and then they come up with. Mm, one of the most elaborate and certainly on its face, terrible, terrible, terrible ideas. Uh, let's send the most recognizable member uh, we have right into the heart of King's Landing. You know, Tyrion, who apart from his you know very obvious facial scars is a dwarf. And as we know, they were, you know, not, not so long ago, they were just killing random dwarves and, uh, and somehow meet with Jamie, who we don't even know is still alive yet, do we? And like, then, then this ends up in, in like going beyond the wall. So many things could go wrong with this. And, uh, and for the most part, they didn't. Yeah, no, nothing went wrong over there. And we had this uh, scene where Tyrion and Jamie they were reunited in this episode. And that was very fun to see. Tyrion, uh, I guess, got off easy. Uh, we saw that Jamie said in the past that he would have cut him. And he just didn't happen to have his real sword with him. So uh, <laughs> Tyrion gets off scot-free. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you, you've been a big proponent of this news that uh, Tyrion wasn't the one who killed Joffrey. It would be a big thaw in this relationship between Tyrion and Jamie, and obviously that had an important role with Jamie. Cersei doesn't really seem to care, but uh, certainly does impact uh, Jamie's Jamie's response to Tyrion. Yeah, Cersei is almost omniscient at this point that she is almost mad at Jamie. like, oh, well, Bronn set up this meeting. He misled you. He must have told you. You think I didn't know that you were meeting with Tyrion? And for Cersei, she ends up saying that, okay, I'll truce with the Dragon Queen. That'll buy me more time. For Tyrion, I mean, this is the same exact plan, the rope-a-dope, that the Maesters did to him in Season 6, where they just, like, treated with him for a while yeah. while they planned their attack on Marine. Yeah, and it really does seem like one of these, you know, clever plans that Danny has long been, uh, you know, railing against. She's just, you know, she's been, they've had all these weird stalling tactics. She's been very frustrated with them. She charges into battle, gets a huge victory. It doesn't really make sense why she would want here again to just, you know, go into diplomacy while they run off into the north to get a dead person and bring it back to the south. Yeah, I don't understand why if we have the dragons in play. I mean, we've seen people just uh, especially, you know, Danny, is, you know, flies to King's Landing, flies back. I'm sure we'll get into Davos, how he was all over the map tonight. But yeah. I mean, why can't Danny just fly up to Eastwatch, at least do a flyover? And right, say, just check it out. Just see. Oh, oh, boy. Oh, boy. That is a big army of White Walkers. OK. Yeah. All right. I, I see that. You know what? That that looks like. I mean, Jon Snow could get on the dragon that they could both fly up there. Check it out. I mean, this seems like the most contrived plan to go up to Eastwatch 
grab a white, bring him back. I mean, what? I mean, did they have some sort of like a shark cage? I mean, how were they going to be restraining a white to bring them back on this boat ride from Eastwatch through Dragonstone to King's Landing to go meet with Cersei? Yeah, and you know, we see at the end of the episode these guys do their you know reservoir reservoir dogs uh, walk up north, uh, and they don't really seem to have like you're saying no real equipment to subdue and transport a white not to mention these whites like are not kind of like off by themselves for the most part they travel in a pretty big pack as we saw with brand so definitely seems like a crazy plan especially because the only point of this plan right is to win cersei's uh temporary fealty or temporary agreement to combat the white walkers um, why don't they just take out Cersei now and then they'll have all of that power to do whatever they want? Because with it. you'll lose the hearts and minds of the people in King's Landing, Stephen. Uh, they, they, the, the people, you know, the Lannisters bent the knee pretty quick. And uh, I mean, you know, it took with, one with dragon roar. And then, yeah. sure, you'll have your, uh, you know, your uh, Dickon Tarly and Randall Tarleys out there who might be a little stubborn. But I think that, you know, uh, a few of the small folk get smoked i think that that probably would say oh you know what maybe she's onto something just burn the red keep you know like cersei's burning buildings why can't danny yeah i mean cersei was able to uh curry favor in king's landing pretty well after the whole stunt uh with the with the wildfire that you know seemed to be able to be uh you know brushed over pretty quickly but you destroyed the holiest building in the city like, mm-hmm. yeah, like no, no, no problem right Sorry, go ahead you know but i i for danny it's really you know she wants to have it both ways we saw her in the beginning of the episode with you know saying to the whole Lannister army basically I am you know uh, she's got this real populist message uh, Stephen where she's saying like hey I'm not gonna be the person that's gonna keep you in change come on let's go do this but then she says and if you don't join me then we'll kill you yeah, yeah, she's denouncing violence on both sides. Um, do you think Cersei is really pregnant, um, or do you think that this is a, a ruse? Hmm, like a ruse, Bolton. <laughs> ruse, Bolton. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, we saw. I mean, we saw Cersei uh, take Jamie aside earlier in the season. It's, you know, a very a clever hoax if it is indeed one. I mean, I think we have no reason to suspect that uh, she's duping us. Yeah. I mean, it, it seems, but, you know, this has been an episode, as you've mentioned, of hoaxes, right? You have uh, Littlefinger, which we'll obviously talk about in his kind of elaborate deception of, of Arya. You've got, you know, this, this, wacky plan to uh to steal a white walker you know from the greatest vault in the land um so you know would you really put it past cersei to be lying about being pregnant to what end why would she need to do this to jamie just to get i guess to you know who knows you know just to just to keep jamie uh around more you know just to, to make sure that he's he's still loyal to her i mean was jamie going to be that disloyal i mean where was jamie going i think he was trying to convince Cersei to go with a safer plan or to maybe just give up but I don't know necessarily what Cersei being pregnant would change in terms of his behavior. That's fair. That's very fair. So may I so I, I agree with you that I probably I think Cersei's pregnancy is 
is for real. Right. And and, an interesting plot complication. Right. And if this was a case where Cersei was being unfaithful to Jamie, and then there was some reason to sort of like as we've gotten into with Sir Robert, where there was another father potentially in the mix, I could see her lying to him about that. But we've got no indication that that uh, uh, Kyburn was in there. Kyburn yeah, yeah, spending a lot of time doing and yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so maybe we could have a Mori Povich moment along the way. All right, so. I guess a lot of uh, big uh, things being revealed to us as well. Okay, you mentioned the Sam and Gilly thing. I think that probably there were a lot of viewers that might have missed that. So much like Sam at the height of Gilly talking about stuff, he was so wrapped up in his own complaining and uh, victim noises that he missed a major plot development, Stephen. Can you talk us through that? Yeah, so it turns out there are 15,700 182 steps in the uh, Citadel. Was it steps or bowel movements? Oh, shoot. Oh, my gosh. I screwed it up. No. So, uh, you know, a lot of people, I think, you know, we've learned basically that uh, John is Leanna Stark's son, uh, that Jon Snow is Leanna Stark's son. Uh, the implication has been that he is also Rhaegar Targaryen's son, which will make him a Targaryen and therefore related to Danny. Um, you know, while Gilly is reading this uh, this scroll and and, and Sam is so wrapped up. You know, she also mentions that Rhaegar Targaryen was married to Elia Martell. And so the question was, is John a trueborn son or is he a bastard? Well, this information from Gilly suggests that the the marriage to Elia Martell um, was annulled. Then John had, en- I'm sorry, then Rhaegar had another marriage, which we are going to presume was to Lyanna Stark, unless there's a third woman in the picture. But no. for all intents and purposes, it really sounds like Jon Snow is the trueborn son of Rhaegar Targaryen. Now, Stephen, why wasn't it important that it was and there was an annulment and a secret marriage? Well, the marriage means that it's uh, that he's a trueborn son and therefore the heir, like theoretically the true Targaryen heir. Yeah, and so it was not just enough to have the lineage uh, to find out about John's Targaryen ancestry, but there needed to be a secret marriage happen to really, you know, make that a valid claim that John has to be uh, the ruler of Westeros and sitting on the Iron Throne. So that's very and a stronger important. Claim, a stronger claim than than Danny's claim too. Is that official? I don't know. I think so, though. I think that's right. You know, it's real. It's tricky. And I don't know, again, if there's any sort of like gender bias where it's just the by nature that John is a man and Danny is a woman that makes his claim stronger. I mean, this isn't Dorn here. So does the Mad King's daughter have a weaker claim than the Mad King's son, uh, grandson? Well, yeah, because Rhaegar was theoretically the uh, I guess you're right. So it's very confusing. You're right, because Rhaegar was the prince, but he was never you know, actually the king. Uh, wow. So we're really going to need some meisters, uh, meisters to get it, get in on this, uh, to get in on this. OK, well, in addition to us knowing about John's Targaryen lineage, we saw John have this moment uh, with Drogon in the episode tonight where I'm not really sure what Danny was going for, Stephen. I don't know if she was just trying to uh, make John flinch or what, but she flies Drogon in and then basically like lands him on Jon Snow and then Jon Snow ultimately ends up petting Drogon and Drogon uh, is like making googly eyes at Jon Snow, which is really, you know, the paternity test of, you know, Jon should know right there. Okay, I must be a Targaryen if the dragon is (laughs) eating me right now. 
I'm surprised that was his instinct. You know, if, if the dragon flew up to me, my instinct wouldn't be to like pet. I'm, I'm, I'm scared to put like a horse on the nose. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that's right. Yeah. And so what was Danny trying to pull there, Stephen? Um, I, you know, it's unclear. I really don't know what, if, you, if we can gauge what Danny's motivation was. From a show perspective, it clearly was trying to kind of establish this link between John and the dragons. Um, but I don't, I don't really know. I mean, you think Danny was just kind of trying to pull a power move? I mean, there is no bigger power move than landing your dragon on someone. Yeah, that's that's the ultimate, you know. And you know, there's a lot of Danny kind of like, you know, this sort of this love triangle that they have with now with Jora and John, with Danny making you know bedroom eyes at both of them. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's really looking up to be three's company there. At uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so uh, Jora returns to Dragonstone as well to be in the service of Danny. He ends up being part of this crew that goes up to Eastwatch. Jora really uh, just. Uh, healed very nicely yeah he looks better than he did before he got the grayscale you know this 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 cure of sam's is going to be like a hot new skin treatment you know if anyone sees how jorah's doing yeah well speaking of the hot new skin treatment uh we saw in the beginning of the episode where uh we, <laughs> Great the, transition. the tarleys Great transition. Uh, the tarleys oh. would not bend the knee kind of felt like they got singled out a little bit i feel like there was a few lannisters that were not uh bending the knee and randall tarley and dickon ends up uh, going out in this episode. Were you surprised that Randall, uh, you, you know, he's stubborn, you get it. Were you surprised that he let Dickon go down with the ship as well? He was telling Dickon not to, right? He was like mouthing at him, you know, no, he was shaking his head. He called him a foolish boy. Uh, so I, I really think he was trying to, uh, you know, get Dickon to, to stay alive, to live, you know, to have his own kind of uh, big moment. But I like he didn't you know, try losing- that hard. You know, he, he didn't try that hard. Well, he's not the kind of guy. He's not going like, to plead with his son to be, you know, to, to bend the knee, right? He's such a tough guy. But I guess this makes uh, Sam now Lord of Horn Hill, right? Yes, it does. And uh, where Sam is headed, we don't know. But I feel you got to pull, like, the Arya and Nymeria move of, like, uh, Dickon, you get the hell out of here. You get the hell out of here. Stop it. Like, uh, you go back there. I never liked you anyway. <laughs> you know, you really you throw a rock at his head. Yeah. Get yeah. him out of there. Yeah. You're, you're right. He did not Trip try him. hard. Now, what did you think? You know, there's there's obviously a big debate here uh, between Tyrion and Danny. You know, Tyrion says, throw them in jail. Danny says, if I do that, then everyone's going to want to get thrown in jail. No one's going to bend the knee. I'm giving them a choice. I'm not just incinerating these guys. Tyrion, Tyrion says, you know, you, you are still incinerating them. Uh, do you think that where, where do you come down on, on in this debate? Well, I don't think that the show is portraying this as a positive decision. I think that is really evidenced by the conversation had by Tyrion and Varys in uh, when they're back at Dragonstone, where Varys is resorting to drinking. And I don't think that we've seen too much of that before in the show's run. We saw Varys have his own loyalty question earlier in the season. I do feel like that if, in terms of there was some question, is Varys potentially somebody who could be a or somebody who could be turning against Danny. And I feel like that that suspicion has to be a little stronger after tonight's episode. Yeah, I mean, they said, you know, Dan- we're still waiting for one big betrayal of Danny, right? There's that, that prophecy, you know, from Miri Mazdur uh, that Danny will be betrayed three times, once for blood, once for love, and once for gold. Uh, the blood one was by, or sorry, the blood one, sorry, the, the prophecy was not by Miri Mazdur. She was the first, she, she betrayed Danny for blood, um, 
then uh, Jorah betrayed her for gold. So we're still waiting for the who's going to betray Danny for love. I mean, I doubt Varys is going to do it for love, but he certainly could be. I mean, Tyrion would be an obvious one who might betray Danny uh, for love of his brother. And of course, I think we're all waiting for Drogon to betray Danny for for love of something. <laughs> for the love of Jon Snow, he likes him yeah, better. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we'll see ultimately uh, where that's going, because otherwise Varys does not have much of a storyline uh, this season. Yeah, I, it's hard to say what, what Varys is doing, and it kind of was like Littlefinger up until this point, just sort of like being kind of schemy in the background, I and mean, Littlefinger sort of had a breakout episode this episode, um, but but uh, we're, we are waiting for what Varys' game plan is. Okay, well, ultimately we saw this big uh, plan start to come together, which included, okay, we we need to get Tyrion back to King's Landing so that he can sneak in and that he can, uh, again, go in through uh, the, you know, the sewer, the tunnel. That's like his <laughs> MO. Yeah. yeah. And so we were going to see Davos was going to take Tyrion to King's Landing to go and, uh, and, and begin this big caper. Stephen, I mean... I had not nitpicked this too much this season, but I feel like I've taken all I can take with the uh, travel by map, as Josh Wiggler would say. I mean, Davos rose from Dragonstone <laughs> to King's Landing. Okay, yeah. uh, gets uh, gets over there. I mean, this is the same journey that it took Gendry three seasons to make. Uh, Davos <laughs> is back and forth. Now maybe he had Gendry to help row, but right, on the way back, yeah, right, right. I mean, we're back Back and forth, boom, 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 and then eventually rowing up to uh, Eastwatch by the end of the episode. Did that bother you at all? I've given up on that. I mean, there's so much, much, the logistics of who moves how fast to where and when it's a, it's a losing battle, Rob. You you can't keep fighting that battle. You'll never, you'll never. uh, I'm fighting dragons with a slingshot. Yeah, exactly. You know, maybe you'll take, you'll get one in the rotator cuff, but you're never going to, you're never going to slay that dragon. I was more bothered actually by this Davos's plan to find Gendry just by like walking around, you know, he's like, Oh, I've been everywhere. And here you are. Like, how is that possible? Like in flea bottom, he just happens to stumble on one guy that, but that bugged me. How big is flea bottom? He's like, I've been to all the whorehouses. Like, have you been peeking in the rooms in the whorehouses? Like, Mm -hmm. what's going on? Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. Maybe ask people like, uh, hey, have you seen a guy about yay high? You know, he's got some big guns. (laughs) Right. So he ends up finding, I mean, Gendry. I mean, he is working in a blacksmith shop. I mean, I think that that does sort of narrow it down. I think if Gendry, uh, I'm sorry, if Davos hadn't said like, oh, I was looking everywhere for you. I looked here and I looked here and I looked here. If he would have said, oh, you know, uh, how did I know you were going to be right back here in the blacksmith shop? Yeah, if anything, he kind of like overexplained it. It would have made more sense if he had just gone to, to, to the blacksmith alley or whatever it is. Yeah. Lucy is asking us, Stephen, how did no one notice Gendry was in Flea Bottom all this time? Is it just that nobody really knew to even be looking for him? I think that's probably what it is, right? Like nobody's really on the lookout. He's kind of uh, he's a handsome guy, but he doesn't stand out in the way that Tyrion stands out. You know, no, no major disfiguring scars or anything like that. Um, so I, you know, he's this, some dirty blacksmith. Probably no one's given him a second glance. Yeah. So Stephen, were you pumped up to see the return of Gendry? Did you know this was coming? I mean, I think we'd all heard the rumors that Gendry. You know, he had to turn up eventually. He can't just, you know. That yeah, we we knew it had to show up eventually. I mean, I uh, 
I, I suspected it was coming. I was, I kind of was excited. You know, there's, there actually, I joked about it at the start of the podcast, but I thought there was something fun about the Jon Snow Gendry uh, reunion. Um, you know, and, and certainly that Warhammer scene was great. You know, that was, there was like Chekhov's Warhammer just like sitting in this boat. Like, what you knew this was going to get, you know, brought out at some point. Yeah. Uh, and when it does, it was pretty spectacular. A lot of great stuff with Gendry. Yeah. I, I was bummed out a little bit just because I had heard the, uh, you know, I, I think that there was like a, that he had been identified in a trailer. So I think that yeah. it was definitely reported that he was going to be back part of this season. But Gendry had a fantastic line uh, when uh, he was talking to Davos. Or, uh, I'm sorry. And Davos had said, uh, oh, I thought you might still be rowing all this time. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was not the case. Uh, but as you mentioned, when we got to see Gendry show up with Jon Snow, I saw that uh, an- uh, our own Antonio. Tony Mazzaro pointed out the line between John and Gendry talking about how, you know, our fathers, you know, had this great history together. They fought together. And Tony said, well, you know, uh, about that, <laughs> Gendry, in terms of the uh, father, it was actually, uh, you know, Gendry's right. dad right. actually killed yeah. John Snow's yeah. dad. <laughs> That's a great call. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So very interesting to see those two talking about their dads. And and we'll have to see in terms of, you know, Rhaegar Targaryen and uh, King Robert being sort of like these blood enemies. What happens when Gendry gets word of Jon Snow's lineage? And uh, we'll have to see if there's any sort of beef between those two over that. But that scene with the gold cloaks and Davos, I did feel like that went on for a bit, Stephen. Yeah, it, it did kind of have that heisty feel to it, where like first he trick, he first he tricks them in one way with the gold, and that that's a temporary, you know, stop. Then he has to trick them in another way with the crab, and like okay, then we've got the uh, there's Tyrion. Now we just have to kill them. So he did sort of have that kind of like heist comedy to it of like you know one obstacle, the second obstacle uh, off with their heads. Yeah. So does Davos travel with the fermented crab? I mean, uh, the, is, <laughs> yeah. he that, is that like just in case that that that's for he's going to pull the fermented crab scam if any runs into trouble? It seems like it's a lot of weight. All those buckets. It's like there were multiple buckets of crab. You got a couple of guys in that in that little rowboat. I mean, that's going to sit deep on the water, especially. I mean, I would dump some of that crab on the ride back. You would think so. But the yeah. fermented crab is apparently the Viagra of Westeros, where that you go to a brothel. Boom. Fermented crab. Now, uh, was that just like a wives tale? The fermented crab story? Or is this really working? <laughs> I, I, I thought that was a wives' tale, right? This is just his kind of cover in case he's caught. Uh, <laughs> you, know, uh, you know what? Ha- you know what do I tell the guards if they catch me on the beach? You know something kind of very trivial, right? Oh, I'm just running aphrodisiacs, um, basically. I, I've got a question for you about this this hammer. Yeah. You know, theoretically, when these guys all go up north past the wall, uh, they're going to be wielding dragon glass, right, in order to be able to take out the White Walkers. What do you do with it with a dragon glass hammer? Like, does that work? I'm not exactly sure, and I didn't really see any of the weapons uh, that they were bringing with them. It didn't look like that John uh, had anybody armed with dragon glass on them. I mean, did I miss that? Did anybody seem to have any dragon glass weaponry? 
I mean, we didn't see it. It's possible that it's like hidden in their cloaks or something. You know, after all that dragon glass mining, I hope they brought like a few little dragon glass shards with them on this. On this, maybe you some know, shards, but uh, they didn't really seem to bring that much. And it didn't look like that they were anybody was armed with like dragon glass, subsidian, like bow and arrows or anything like that. But yeah, yeah. yeah I think maybe you could knock uh, knock one out and with the warhammer, but it wouldn't necessarily kill it. Yeah, you got you got to get maybe just put like like little little pieces of dragon glass on like the end of the hammer like with glue. Right. So like you need dazzle it. In terms of this, so there's the whites and the white walkers. <laughs> like could you just knock out a white walker with a hammer and then uh you know bring it back to Westeros? It seems like that the whites themselves you would need the dragon glass. Right, right, right. Okay, that that works, right? Especially cuz their goal is to stun and not necessarily to destroy. Right. And then you're going to sort of like, you know, drag that thing back with you. And then that's ultimately how that plan is going to go. So uh, we also got to see that uh, Thoros of Mir and Beric and the Hound also met up with everybody. I mean, the, it, it's getting a little bit of like, oh, guess who we ran to? Guess who we yeah. ran to? Like, I know we're running out of time, but I mean, we are really at the point where there are no coincidences. Well, to be fair, you know, we've been with these characters for so long. They all have so much history together. We're getting to the end. It does make sense. You know, they've, they've all got to come together eventually. And this is this is happening. It's happening now. Mm-hmm. I don't find it to be too coincidental since this is literally the climax we've been waiting for for seven or, you know, 20 uh, years, depending on how long you've been waiting. Yeah. I mean, it was comical where it was like, hey, is that Thoros of Mira here? Oh, is that is that Sir Jorah? Is that the Hound? Is that John yeah. Snow? Was that Donald? Yeah. yeah, exactly. They all have history. But that's what I love about the show. You have this moment where every single person in that room has a different relationship and they're all kind of acting out of that. You know, Gendry saying, don't trust these people. They traded me away. You know, Jorah's like, you know, Jorah's posturing with Tormund, right? Because of the, the J.R. connection. Uh, so, so much, uh, so much history that goes into, into each little interaction. And, uh, you know, that, to me, that's what makes these, makes the whole show so exciting. Yeah. Steven, do you think that next week is going to be just the nonstop action episode? Definitely. We're definitely getting the Eastwatch nonstop action. You know, we saw some running in the trailer. There's going to be some running. There's going to be some punching or like, you know, hitting, slashing, you know, punching, hitting, and slashing all coming punching, next week slashing. on yeah. Game of Thrones. Uh, let's talk about what was going on up in Winterfell in this episode. And we got to see that there was uh, some acrimony between Sansa and Arya about what was going on. And I really thought that Sansa and Arya were going to be on the same page, but it does feel as though that Arya is questioning Sansa's leadership, not as openly as Sansa was questioning Jon's leadership, but Sansa is uh, sort of hearing out everybody who's complaining about Jon Snow. Arya is wondering why she's even giving that an audience. Yes. And Arya, of course, has had a longstanding, has always been very close with John. And so, you know, naturally she's standing up for him. Of course, she's always had a lot of uh, acrimony with Sansa. And it was interesting, you know, Arya kind of calls out Sansa saying, you are thinking about taking all this power for yourself and you don't want to be having these thoughts, but you are having these thoughts. And 
I've been kind of, you know, one of, you know, Arya's big journey has been wrestling with her sort of assassin self. Like, am I, who am I? Am I this crazy bloodthirsty killer or am I just this, this normal person who can have human relationships? And really Santa is having the same kind of internal struggle, which is, you know, am I part of this family? Am I doing this for the, you know, for the people around me or am I power hungry in my own way? You know, if, if Arya kind of models her behavior off the hound, Sansa's modeling hers off Cersei. Yeah. And we see that Sansa is sort of uh, having these thoughts that Arya accuses her of, of that you are thinking about how to gain power. Sansa does not deny it. She does not come out and say, like, get out of here, Arya. What are you talking about? She sort of just, like, brushes it off. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, I think you're going to there's obviously some very real tension here. It was pretty funny when when Arya's response to how to solve this problem would be to just uh, cut, cut off everybody's heads. Okay, and so we then saw Arya go on this mission where she is going to be spying on Littlefinger, and ultimately we find out that the tables end up getting turned on Arya. Does Littlefinger want Arya to be spying on him? Yeah, it sure looks like this whole thing is a ruse that he set up for Arya. He set it up so that Arya will find this uh, message. And I mean, what you know, talk about the message. I mean, I, I'm I'm hoping you could explain to me what the message says. I mean, what what was it was a message from Sansa, but I couldn't make out what it said. I thought so. I, I, I may be misremembering because it's all kind of a muddle, of course, and especially those first seasons where, where I read it in the books. But, um, you know, what, it looked like this message that Sansa sent, you know, years ago, basically demanding that Rob bend the knee because Ned was dead and like Joffrey maybe forced her to write this or something, or maybe they wrote it and forced her to sign it. Uh, I don't remember what this message specifically says, but it's a message, you know, with Sansa kind of advocating for uh you know for i think rob to to bend the knee and so, I mean, it, it, yeah mark is saying here the note was the letter that uh was sent to rob stark saying robert was dead and father was a traitor so it was uh th- this was from season one where they uh had her write this and send it off to rob stark Yes. And so Littlefinger basically has this whole ploy where he pretends to be hiding this thing to make sure Arya sees it so that it looks like Littlefinger is keeping this information from her. When in fact, of course, he's leading her to it to increase the acrimony between Arya and Sansa. Of course, Littlefinger thinks chaos is a ladder. And if the two star girls are against each other, uh, that's going to give him more influence over Sansa. Okay, Uh, so. What is ultimately going to happen with this? Are Arya and Sansa going to have a conversation and then Sansa is going to uh, tell Arya that, no, I had to write that under duress and then Arya is not going to believe her? I think that there's there's just going to be, you know, uh, a fight, right? You know, they're, they're, it's just going to escalate. We, we saw this kind of tension starting to escalate already this episode between their very, very different philosophies. Sansa, you know, let's let's work everything through diplomacy. Arya, let's work everything through cutting off people's heads. Um, and now, you know, Arya is really all about loyalty, right? Her whole problem with Sansa was that Sansa was not being loyal to Jon. Uh, and now that Sansa, you know, is is 
seeming to show more disloyalty there's going to be i think it's just going to escalate yeah uh lauren in the chat says all it takes is brand to clarify things i mean uh, that would be helpful if brand could just come out and say yeah actually no here's what little finger is doing i mean i think it's a little frustrating that you know we talked about uh cersei uh is almost omniscient at this point i mean how is little finger 10 steps ahead of aria this one didn't bother me. You know, he's, he, I, I feel like we've been building for a couple of episodes that Littlefinger is feeling displaced, is feeling a little bit powerless now that all the Stark kids are coming together. You know, he tries to curry favor with Bran by giving him the dagger. I think it was either you or Antonio or Alex who said, you know, this is sort of basic. You know, he's using his tactics from Sweet Robin. Doesn't work at all. Um and so to me, it makes sense that he would try something a little bit more complex. He sees how savvy these star kids are. So he does this sort of fake bond, uh, blind where he, he tricks them basically into escalating tensions. I mean, this is Littlefinger's MO, right? Of how do I get people to hate each other? What can I do to stir dissension? Mm-hmm. And so he ends up concocting this whole plan where he's like, okay, I know that Arya Stark is going to follow me around. So then I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to track down this letter and then I'm going to hide it in my locked room inside my mattress. I know that Arya Stark is going to break into my room and find this letter. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, it seemed like every step of the way he was waiting for her to be with him. Right. So every time she's spying on him, he's kind of like glancing over his shoulder and being like, oh, she just saw that. She just saw that. So you know, Arya, Arya's problem now is that she's super overconfident, right? She thinks she's, you know, which last episode she was trying to, you know, she was beating Brienne in a fight. She thinks she's, you know, she's this crazy badass assassin. So she doesn't even realize her own blind spots. And, you know, Arya's blind, big blind spot is this kind of manipulation. Okay. Were you disappointed that John did not come by way of Winterfell and at least check in with what was going on? We could have got the uh, Gendry and Arya reunion. We could have found out from Bran that John is really a Targaryen. I, I, I mean, I think we're all waiting for this Bran John conversation to happen. You know, Bran, like the one thing he said that seemed remotely human was like, "Oh, I must talk with John." You know, like let's finally have that conversation. Yeah. And why does Bran need to send all the ravens to go check out what's going on with the Night's King? Why, why send all of the ravens? Was that all of them? I thought that was, you know, who knows how many, many ravens. ravens. Many There's ravens. like 20 ravens. There's more ravens around. I think you could just send one, no? It did seem like it was a lot Overkill. Uh, to send it once. Yeah, yeah. And really, what's he seeing? He's just seeing an army of white walkers, you know, walking south. Pretty, pretty, you know, you only need to see it once. Yeah. So where are Sam and Gilly headed? That's a that's the question. I mean, it's such an interesting moment. You know, so much of this episode was people saying, "I want to be a part of this big adventure." You know, the this big climactic battle is about to happen. I need to be there on the field. You know, Gendry was saying it. Sam is saying it. I can't sit in this room with these stuffy academics endlessly debating things. That said, if I was, you know, Archmaster Jim Broadbent, I would probably also hesitate before spreading the word that the dead were coming back to life. Yeah, it did feel like that there were a little bit of the um, uh, mean girls, mean maesters uh, with Sam, just like uh, hazing him and mocking him. And they wouldn't even tell him that his dad and his brother died. Yeah. How does Sam get that info? I mean, he's probably just going to show up at Horn Hill and so, you know, someone's going to be like, oh, by the way. I mean, I don't think he's going to go there. I mean, if he thinks his father is alive, I think that uh, after they, they stole the sword, 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, you're right. I mean, I guess he's got this sword, right? Like maybe he does make his way north and is a part of this, this epic fight. And, you know, now it turns out Gilly actually has the key piece of information for so long. We've been waiting for Sam to discover something really incredible. It turns out it was Gilly all along. Do you think that they're, that Gilly's son is the prince who was promised? Probably, probably <laughs> Sam Jr. I, yeah, yeah, I mean, he could have been a, a, a white at this point. So that maybe he, uh, very well could be. I, yeah. But, in terms of, I mean, how is that going to come up where we're going to see Sam find out about how John's father is uh, is Rhaegar Targaryen and, and Gilly's just going to say, oh, wait, hold on, Rhaegar, I remember that name. I think I read that in a book or something. Uh, did, that, did he get an annulment? Did he get married in a secret ceremony? Like, is Gilly going to be the key to unlocking all of this? I mean, Sam seemed to pay no attention to it. Yeah. And it also seemed, you know, this seemed like it was more just for the audience. You know, hopefully this is something Bran is also aware of since he you know, knows everything. He probably also knows about the secret ceremony. Mm-hmm. Gilly can co-sign, co-sign. I read that somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I think I read it's that. Weird that they, it's weird to include that in the same book about, on the same page about all the different steps. You know, 15,000 steps in the Citadel. Here's how many windows in the Great Sept. Oh, and also Rhaegar Targaryen got a divorce and was remarried. Like Those, yeah. those aren't, don't seem like equivalent information. Steven, what does Jamie Lannister do now at this point? Um, Is he just waiting for the, uh, them to come back with a white? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Right. It doesn't seem like there's any big moves, uh, for Jamie at this point. I mean, maybe something with, well, were you disappointed? I mean, obviously everyone was sort of disappointed with Jamie's drowning scene, but how how did you feel about the way he got out of that at the start of the episode? Yeah, I really did not care for, I mean, I was vocal on the podcast last week that I felt like it was such a dumb cliffhanger to do. And then just to open the episode a second later, it's like, whew. All right, got you out of the water. I mean, I mean, it was very silly to even make that a cliffhanger. Apparently, they surfaced, you know, miles downstream without having gotten a breath, and like everybody's left. There was just this huge Dothraki army and dragons, but they all pieced out. You know, after seeing Jamie Lannister like charge the queen, they're like, "Eh, it's fine. He's in the water. Don't worry about that guy. He's only got one arm. (laughs) Don't worry. Don't worry about him." I want to open this up to some questions, Stephen. Anything else from the episode that you want to touch on? Gosh, no. I mean, this was a fun episode, I thought. Um, Yeah, let's get the questions. Yeah, I felt like that this was probably a little bit more of a peace moving episode in terms of getting people where they needed to be with probably a action packed last couple of episodes coming up in this season. Uh, We just saw like deals coming together very quickly and a lot of people just on the move. But I think that the the table is set for us to uh, really have a buffet for these last two nights coming up the next two weeks. It definitely seems like yeah. it's it's been building to these moments. So, Stephen, uh, Lauren says, if this baby is born, then the Maggie uh, the Frog uh, prophecy is wrong. So do you think that this baby will see the light of day? I don't think so, right? I mean, it would be interesting from a plot perspective. It would certainly add a lot of, like, dynastic questions, right, for the, for the Lannisters. You know, one big question has been, 
who comes next and you know also who are they fighting for uh, i i i can't imagine the baby's gonna gonna get born uh, i don't see the baby uh being born i think that uh even if cersei is actually pregnant i think that maybe this uh might make it a little bit more intriguing uh if there is some battle between jamie and cersei at some point i don't think that the we get a fourth baby for cersei uh let's take a Yes, uh, let's take another question. This is one. Could she could she die in childbirth? I mean, that is how her mom passed away, uh, giving birth to Tyrion. So I guess that there would be uh, something there uh, with that. Okay, this is from Lysander. Uh, how is Jamie? Uh, I hated how Jamie got out, uh, but he was going to live. But to make them be able to get away from the horde of Dothraki and a dragon, I guess that is the only way that that would make sense. Uh, Megan wants to know, are these next two episodes going to be 90 minutes, Stephen? Uh, I don't know. Someone just suggested that they were, one was 70 minutes and one was 80 minutes. I, I'm not sure of the episode length. Brendan wants to know, how many of the John Suicide Squad uh, comes back? Uh, over or under three or four? I bet over. I'm, I would guess over on that. I mean, I think, you know, we're all waiting for Beric Dondarrion to die, right? Uh, uh, Josh has been saying, you know, he, he thinks what ha- what's going to happen is that Beric is going to give life back to Jon Snow at some crucial moment, you know, pass this breath of life into Jon Snow. Um, but, uh, you know, for, of these guys, Jon's obviously coming back, right? I'm guessing Jorah comes back. You know, why set up this love triangle even more if Jorah's just going to bite it? You know, why do this grayscale, uh, this scalectomy if, if, you know, Jorah's going to bite it like next time he shows up? Um, Hound, I think, is coming back, right? So I, I, my, my, I'm, I take the over on that. You know, Gendry, I don't think, I mean, I guess maybe, maybe Gendry shows up just to die. I could see that happening. Who do you, what do you, who do you think? Uh, yeah, I feel like that, uh, Beric and Thoris of Mir are the most expendable, uh, of that group. Uh, I mean, does Jorah have anything left to do? He has something left to do. I think he, I, I don't know what it is, but it would be very weird to bring him, to have him go through this crazy journey with Grayscale, go back to Dragonstone just to die on some completely unrelated quest, um, you know, in, in the North. I think there's something has to happen with him and Daenerys. I'm worried about Tormund also. Yeah, uh, this could be Tormund's last hurrah, which would be very sad. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Steven, this is a question. Uh, so when does the Gilly news get out and how does it affect uh, this whole thing? Do, uh, that, uh, where does the, I mean, does Gilly just spill that at some point? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think you're right. You know, this is just like information that's in and although she does, she does have a good memory. Someone's commenting, you know, she really, these, these facts, she, they really stay with her. I, it, it seemed to me that this, that this news from Gilly was totally blown over. I, my guess is that Bran is going to say it. Uh, Jessica Frey wants to know, what will Danny do when she finds out that John has the rightful claim to the throne? Marry him. Oh, okay. Well, that yeah. would really just uh, kill two birds with one stone. Yeah. I, I Still, we're still some debate, right? I mean, yes, uh, John is Rhaegar's son, but Danny is the Mad King's. Uh, Rhaegar was never, never king, so uh, you know, hard to say. Uh, Lauren uh, tells us episode six is seventy-one minutes. Episode seven is eighty-one minutes. So uh, that's uh, just about as long as the Emoji movie that I saw the other day, Stephen. <laughs> wow, and I'm sure it'll be as as packed with weight and heart. As, yes, yes, uh, those are two of the emojis, uh, weights and hearts. Uh, then uh, Stephen, uh, let's see. Uh, Mark wants to know why don't the Maesters believe in the White Walkers? Isn't it in the history books of the First Men and the Children fought them? I mean, it does seem like that they are really ignoring a big part of Westerosi lore. 
Yeah, but I guess if you're a maester, you mostly just believe in what's physical, right? You don't really believe in the supernatural. You know, it seems like these guys have seen a lot of different theories and a lot of different uh, supernatural myths through the years. And they kind of have to pick uh, and choose which ones they really believe. And of course, you know, no one really believes that they're living in the end times, right? So, uh, I, I, you know, I think the, the maesters really embody that sort of sense of the status quo. What do you think? Did you think this was you know, crazy blindness from them? I mean, it just is frustrating because we've seen this from the Maesters all season long. Like, oh, okay, sure, whatever. Yeah, all right, whatever, Chicken Little. Uh, I heard this before. So uh, I was happy to see Sam get the hell out of the Citadel. Getting a little bored with the Citadel. Yeah, it was time to leave. And this, I, I thought this conversation was like, was the perfect capstone for that. Just these, you know, these nine academics just like fussing at each other in a room. I, I, I loved it. I mean, obviously, I'm not on their side, but uh, I, I would spend time there. All right. Uh, well, Stephen, uh, great job tonight. Uh, let's go with the hashtag uh, Snowshins11. Uh, well, job well done there. Okay. There's also Ruse Bolton. I don't want to forget that Ruse <laughs> yeah, Bolton. No, Snowshins11 is for tonight. I'm sure we've talked about our Ruse uh, Bolton before as yeah. we've uh, gone through now into uh, the almost the end of the seventh season of this uh, fine television program. Of course, you can follow Stephen on Twitter. He is at Stephen Fishback. I'm at Rob Sisternino. We have got a lot coming up the rest of the week. I will be getting into a deep dive of everything with Josh Wiggler on Monday. We'll have that up for you in about 24 hours as Josh Wiggler comes in with everything that he is writing over at The Hollywood Reporter. You could follow Josh on Twitter to see all of that and all the takes he has after the episode at Round Howard. And then our feedback show is coming up on Wednesday. So get your questions in GOT at postshowrecaps.com or postshowrecaps.com slash voicemail. All right, Stephen, anything else? Yeah, someone just commented, why don't they just take a dragon to get the White Walker? I guess it would be hard to bring it back, but there is that question still with the dragons. It's like uh, Gwai here in... Uh, uh, Lord of the Rings. Why, why not take the dragon? Uh, that's all. That's all. Why that's, not take the dragon? Take two dragons. Each one holds one side of a net. Okay, and then we <laughs> scoop up the whites and we Fly bring them back Landing. to King's Landing. We drop them there in the Red Keep. Boom. Well, we could finish the series next week. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the whole the same thing with Lord of the Rings. You know, like they they got the the eagle, the eagle lord. Just just go on the eagle. Get George R R Martin on the phone. We got yeah. we we'll we'll get this Figure all taken care of. I mean, we can get that next book out certainly by uh, by Halloween. Yeah, uh, yeah. There you go. All right, just one line. Well, Stephen, great job. Uh, always a pleasure to talk with you. Only two weeks to to the finale. Can't wait for all of that. Have a good one, everybody. Take care. Bye.